Hi, my name is Barb Nangle. I'm the founder of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery. This is episode 64, From Indecisive to Decisive. Something I've noticed that's really common for people in recovery is the inability to make a decision. This could be a decision that's incredibly complex, like, do I make this career change? Or it could be really basic, like, what shirt do I wear? Sometimes people become so overwhelmed at the prospect of making decisions that they just can't make one. So they decide not to decide. This means you're leaving your life up to chance rather than taking the reins and choosing the course of your life. What I've learned, especially through recovery, is that not making a decision is way worse than making, quote, the wrong decision. I put that in quotes because in my experience, there's no such thing as the wrong decision. You can't possibly know what the outcome would have been in any situation had you made a different decision. What I typically say to someone who's struggling with the making the right decision and or terrified to make the wrong decision is that there is no wrong decision except the one you didn't make. We tend to think that the right decision is going to lead us to the best outcome, but bad decisions can lead to good outcomes and good decisions can lead to bad outcomes. So let me unpack some of that. Sometimes even quote, bad decisions can lead to good outcomes. That's why it's important to focus on the process rather than the outcome of your decisions. Instead of focusing on how successful your choices are, focus on how comprehensive your decision-making process is, how you make decisions. What I've learned over and over and over again in recovery is to reach out for help, to ask other people for guidance and feedback. This doesn't mean I'm going to do what they say. It means I'm going to get different perspective on choices I want to make. In the beginning of recovery, this was extremely difficult for me. You might even say impossible. I was used to being entirely self-sufficient. I never asked for help for anything. When I started, it was asking for little things like, should I send this email or how would you respond to this? We do this not because we want other people to tell us what to do, but because we want to hear different kinds of thinking. The more perspectives we have in looking at an issue, the more informed we are. Often, the people I ask for help with something will ask me questions that make me think of factors that I never would have considered. In the past, I was afraid to ask people for help. I was afraid to share my thinking process with other people. And I've become less and less afraid because I've become more and more used to reaching out and I've seen the benefits of reaching out to other people. When I was making all the decisions on my own, it landed me in two 12-step recovery programs. One thing that might be stopping you from making decisions is something called decision fatigue. This is when your energy gets drained from having to make too many decisions each day. 
One of the ways to combat or prevent decision fatigue is to make decisions ahead of time. Here's a couple of different ways you can do that. The first is by eliminating decision-making altogether. Here's an example. I've known some people who, rather than deciding which pair of socks am I going to wear today, they buy all of the same exact socks. They're not wasting their decision-making energy on something that's not that important to them. I've also heard people talk about this in terms of the spoon theory. They say, I only have so many spoons to use today and I'm not going to use any of them on this. What they're talking about is their energy per day. So they have to decide where they're going to spend their spoons or where they're going to spend their energy. Do you want to spend your energy making decisions about what socks you're going to wear? If it's really not that important to you, then maybe you could go buy all the same socks. However, if socks are very important to you, then find another area of your life where things aren't that important to you and eliminate the need to make a decision if you can. I'm going to illustrate another way to make decisions ahead of time by using the example of food. Let's say you want to be a healthy eater. Then if you make decisions ahead of time about what you're going to eat, it's not only going to make your life a lot easier, you're going to be more likely to stick to eating your healthy foods. Maybe you plan for an entire week's meals at once. That means you've made the decision one time during the week for the whole week. And you don't have to come home from work and go, oh my God, what am I going to have today? If you've made the decision ahead of time, you'll have all the ingredients on hand and maybe you even made the meal ahead of time. It really depends on your lifestyle. Making decisions ahead of time can reduce decision fatigue. This can either be by eliminating decision-making altogether or by making decisions about something you do regularly ahead of time, like meal planning. You can also combat decision fatigue by settling for good enough. Before recovery, I would work and work and work and work and work at something to get it just right. Now I've realized that done is better than perfect Um, and not done. For example, I've been taking my podcast content and turning it into written pieces, which I publish on medium.com every two weeks. I write for an hour every day, Monday through Friday. And I allow myself two weeks to get a story together. No matter what state the story is in, I publish it at the end of those two weeks. Getting the content out there is more important to me than perfecting it. And there's no such thing as perfect anyway. When it comes to something creative like writing, there's no way to know when something is truly done. So I've instituted a deadline for myself, a boundary, if you will, so that I've made the decision ahead of time. The piece is done on the second Friday, period. I just learned in the last couple of days that there's actually a name for people who settle for good enough. They're called satisficers. It turns out that satisficers are consistently happier than people who are considered maximizers. Maximizers feel like they have to choose the very best possible option. And they often get really stressed when making decisions. Then once they finally do make a decision, they're constantly calling into question whether that decision was the right one or not. 
more stress. Whereas satisficers are like, maybe it was the best and maybe it wasn't, but at least I made a decision and was able to move on. They're content with the decision they've made. I have gone from being a maximizer before recover, before recovery to being a satisficer. I realized that that was like a game I played in my head. It was a way for me to self-sabotage. Even though I got a lot of shit done before recovery, I get way more shit done now because I'm moving forward all the time. I've learned how to make decisions in a healthy way, which is not to ruminate about them and go back over them again and again and again and again. That kind of rumination about anything is unhealthy. Not only does it paralyze us from taking action because we're stuck in our heads, it also activates our inner drugstore with chemicals like cortisol and adrenaline, which keep us in a hyper state of arousal. And it's unhealthy to stay in that state for any length of time. It also prevents us from thinking properly because it cuts off the frontal lobe. I don't know about you, but when I'm in fight or flight mode, I can't think. And I want to be thinking clearly as much as possible, especially when it's time to make a decision. It's easy to put relatively unimportant decisions on autopilot, like what kind of socks am I going to wear? But when you have more difficult decisions, like one that's going to impact the course of your life, or maybe something in between those two kinds of decisions, it might be helpful for you to categorize the types of decisions as small, medium, and big decisions. You can be more playful and maybe even create a system like I've talked about above for the small decisions, but you're going to want to apply your best thinking to the bigger decisions. But now I want to move away from thinking and talk about intuition. You've probably heard people say, you should just go with your gut when making decisions. But if you're anything like I was when I came into recovery, you're really not in touch with your gut. You're not sure what your intuition is, or maybe you are, but you don't trust it because you've been told not to trust it. Studies actually show that if you're going to use your intuition in making decisions, it should be in an area in which you have in-depth knowledge. So if you've come into recovery and never had one healthy relationship, you are certainly not an expert on how to have a healthy relationship. So you probably don't want to use your gut in making decisions about how to manage relationships, at least not in the beginning. You probably should either talk to a therapist and or run your decisions by some of your fellows or your sponsor. On the other hand, if that same person who's never had a healthy relationship has been doing data management for years and somebody asks them a question that has to do with data management, but they don't have all the facts, but their gut tells them you should do this rather than that, then that's fine to go ahead and use their gut in that arena because that's an area in which they have expertise. If you really want to work on honing in on your intuition, here's something you can try. Start tracking your feelings about a decision before you actually make the decision. Write down what you're thinking and feeling. Then once you've made the decision and seen how it plays out, you can go back to your notes and compare the outcome of the decision with your thoughts and feelings as you were making the decision. 
This can help you see if you had a gut feeling ahead of time and if it was right about what, quote, the right thing to do was. And when I say the right thing to do, I don't necessarily mean what led to the best outcome. I mean the one that you feel the best about given the information you had at the time. Now I want to talk about perfectionism. This is a common reason why many people have difficulty making decisions. Perfectionism is based on fear. You're afraid to make the wrong decision. Not only is perfection an illusion, it sets you up for being forever disappointed in your work. When you strive for perfection, you're using up time to focus on details that you will never judge as right. It can also become an obsession, which is really unhealthy, especially for people in recovery. Perfectionists can take a lesson from the world of entrepreneurship. In that world, it is absolutely imperative if you want to succeed anyway, that you learn to fail and you learn to fail well. When I say fail well, what I mean is you recover from failure quickly. You understand it is just part of the process and not really a problem in the big picture. In fact, I have that quote taped on my laptop screen to remind me. Failure and learning are simply part of the process and not really a problem in the big picture. That allows me to just pick up and move on. I don't spend any time beating myself up, questioning, blah, 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 blah. You learn what you can from your failure and you use that knowledge going forward to be better and to do better. If you are constantly aiming for perfection, you likely have difficulty getting things done, which means you don't get the experience of recovering from failure. Recovering from failure is going to contribute to your ability to make better decisions in the future. If you suffer from perfectionism, it might be helpful after you complete something kind of bid big to purposely change the way you look at it. Instead of going back and looking at all the things you did wrong, try to look at the thing in its entirety. Instead of just looking at the imperfections, be sure to look at the successes as well. If this is really hard for you, think about how those little imperfect details that you're focusing on can be part of your next efforts to improve. You are inevitably going to be disappointed with things that you do and things that you create. But imperfections are inevitable, just as is disappointment. You want to find a balance that works for you. You'll be much better prepared for success, whether this is success in your recovery, your relationships, your career. If you find the balance of good enough and this is the amount of disappointment I can handle, Chances are, if you're a perfectionist, you suffer from the illusion that you can't tolerate any disappointment. Meanwhile, you're disappointed all the time. We're told time and again that mistakes are part of the learning process. And it's true that much of our deepest learning can come from our mistakes. And every mistake can be a lesson if you look at it the right way. So we shouldn't regret making mistakes, but there is a type of regret that can be devastating, and that 
is the regret of inaction. If you listen to older people talk about regrets, it's mostly regrets about what they didn't do, not something they actually did. So it's better to make a quote, wrong decision and move forward and do something and potentially make a mistake and learn from it than it is to think and think and think and try to achieve perfection and never do anything because you're trying to make the right decision. There are a couple of quotes I want to leave you with. One is by Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky. Everything seems stupid when it fails. In other words, it's easy to pick something apart after the fact. At that point, you have all the information you didn't have before you made the decision. So instead of going back and looking at your outcomes and saying it was a bad decision, try coming up with a decision-making process that works for you. This could be eliminating decisions, making decisions ahead of time, allowing yourself to do a finite amount of research, making pro and con lists, asking for help from others, including experts. Instead of deciding that the outcome is the thing that tells you if something was a good or bad decision, create a decision-making process that you're comfortable with and use that process to tell you if you've made a good decision. In other words, if you stuck to your process, it was a good decision, no matter what the outcome was. And the second quote is from Jim Rohn. He says, we must all suffer one of two things, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret or disappointment. Achieving your goals, whether they have to do with recovery, your career, or your relationships can be painful because of the amount of time, energy, and sacrifice it takes to achieve the things that are worthwhile. However, there is something else that's more painful. And that is the regret of inaction, disappointment, and laziness. Which type of suffering are you going to choose? That's it for today. If you like what you've heard here, then you just might be interested in private coaching with me. If that sounds like you, head on over to my website, which is higherpowercoachingandconsulting.com and click on the contact menu. I'd be happy to schedule a consultation with you to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep lasting changes in my life. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change, but I'll coach anyone who wants to be happy, joyous, and free. So if that's you, shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe so you can be sure to get future episodes of my podcast. Thanks again. Thanks again.